One of the biggest questions coming into fall camp was the offensive line. One of the biggest questions leaving fall camp for Tennessee football is the offensive line. What are some of those answers? Former NFL offensive lineman and VFL great is set to join the show right here on a Wednesday. Locked on Vols. You are locked on Vols, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. It's your Wednesday edition of Lockdown Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Can't thank you enough for being here. We have got a fun show coming up. Talking some offensive line here on this episode of Lockdown Vols with VFL and former Pittsburgh Steelers great Ramon Foster. That's coming up in a matter of seconds. Ward Wednesday in segment two with Josh Ward. And since we had Ramon Foster on, I thought it'd only be fitting to preview the offensive line and the question marks that still remain on that front five unit for Glenn Ellerby. That's your show run down here on today's edition of Lockdown Vols. It's brought to you in part by our friends over at Bird Dogs. I go to birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. It's going to be a fun show coming up today. Let's go ahead and get into it. Here is my conversation with former Pittsburgh Steelers, VFL, and current co-host, of Ramon, Kayla, and Will on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, Tennessee, Ramon Foster. Hey, Ramon, uh, I know we're getting closer and closer to football time in Tennessee. Opener going to be right there in the mid-state where you are in Nashville, September the 2nd. Uh, everything you're hearing, everybody you're talking to, I know you talk to people over there in that program all the time. Kind of, What's the vibe? What, what are you feeling about Tennessee heading into the season? Excitement, man. Optimism, too. Uh, I think those are two words that kind of uh, has followed this program for like the last year and a half. Honestly, it's just the optimism and just looking forward to what this team can do moving forward. I think a lot of people on the outside say you're ahead of schedule. And that. <clears throat> with that being said, you also have to be a team that can sustain it. You got to be a team that can recruit it. And you got to have some veteran leadership, even at the college level. And I think this team has those qualities, man. So being ahead of schedule is just one of those things where you just jump out on the scene fast and you than others think you're supposed to. Hypo system has worked for a while, and just defensively, the Tim Banks can get those guys on the same page, get those three and outs more times than not. And I think with the talent that they've recruited, they should be able to do that. So I get those things that we're feeling right now as far as men Vols fans. All right, so I, I joined uh, your radio show a couple of days ago, and, and we were talking about some of the question marks on the offensive line. Yeah. And I made the comment about how I think Tennessee is going to have a little bit of a rotation at left guard and right tackle, maybe to begin the season and all that. And um, I, to me, and again, you, you know more football. You, you'll forget more football than I'll ever know. To me, I, I hate rotations on the offensive line. But Tennessee did it all last year at left tackle, and it's something that Glenn Elbery's done in, in points in times. You don't want to do it, but Tennessee has done it before. What's your thoughts on a rotation, uh, at least for the first couple of weeks, maybe on that, that offensive line? Had I not seen it on the college level, then I would have said, no, I don't want those types of things, right? Um, but watching Jeremiah Crawford and also Gerald Mincy do it last year, and it took me a while to realize they were actually doing it. Yeah. And then there was no drop-off. Um, I think Glenn Ellerby appreciates guys competing, and sometimes you want to be able to give guys you know, their opportunities, and that's what I feel like this situation could be too. This year's 
figuring out what these guys can do as far as putting the best five out there and them maximizing their their chances to become starters to get longer series, it works. And this is a portion of it that kind of gets me as to why you have to be able to do those things is there is no preseason. Guys have to be able to, you know, carve out moments in practice or in these first few games or throughout the season that justifies them staying in the lineup too. And that's one thing I think is always beautiful about college is coaches finding balance of being able to put talent on the field and also keep your talent satisfied. I don't think this is a concession from one guy to the other to say, oh, hey, well, we can't decide who won. I think it's a situation where when you got good competition and you have quality guys inside of your room, you play them when they earn it and you can trust them too. And that's the biggest component of it, I think, more than anything. Having guys that you can trust to put in those positions. That makes a world of difference for an offensive line coach knowing that there won't be a drop-off if you interchange those guys out. And it keeps you fresh. Um, it's just one of those things I don't think a lot of people do. And maybe it should be uh, something to explore moving forward when it comes down to having as many guys as a college roster uh, allows. How important is it, though, to, to maybe trim that down a little bit or there still be a little bit of a rotation? But uh, when you go to Florida, crowd noise, night game, rivalry game, all that type of stuff, I feel like you don't want to be playing too many guys, maybe six six or seven if needed. I, I feel like they need to maybe try to find some answers by that Florida game. Yeah, and I agree with you on that. I want like finding what system is actually going to work. If you know this yeah. series, we're going to go run heavy, and there's a guy on the roster that runs the ball, oh, well, that run blocks a little bit better. That could be a Tennessee type of situation to say, okay, well, we're going to stuff them in the run this play. But most of these guys on this roster can pass protect too. Like, and I say, I get the understanding that you want just your one guy, but the NFL, you dress seven on game day. Those other two guys that sit on the sideline are starter capable. Yeah. And I think if you're using that rotation on the college rank, it honestly prepares guys for what the NFL is all about, too. You got to think about that, too. Now, a day is when we're speaking about where this team is. Coach Ellaby is in a developmental stage with these guys. We've seen it with Darnell, Jerome Carvin, I'm understanding, having a good camp in Kansas City. These types of things happen when you have these guys in your room. So to, to instill that NFL mentality that, look, we're going with seven on, on seven on game day. I don't think it's a bad thing. What I will say is it's good to know which guys are good at which things on the offense for that day. You know, and of course, with the way guys get banged up, you don't want an ice cold guy that's played in zero games in those games leading up to Florida. You know, if something happens a week before coming in and being a starter, you at least get that experience. And I guarantee you this, those guys who are playing tackle probably can move in and play guard if needed. And that experience goes a long way because, you know, like I know these guys, their depth is 18, 19 year olds. You know what I'm saying? And having guys that have some seasoned reps underneath them can go a long way when it comes down to winning then at the Swamp. Ramon, Kayla, and Will. Ramon Foster, the co-hosts of that show on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville, Tennessee. Former NFL Pittsburgh Steelers greats and, of course, a VFL. Hey, I've asked you this before, but I want want you to tell the audience here, um, you know, when I look at the tackle question mark, Gerald Mincy, J.J. Crawford, even Dane Davis, all three of those guys played a lot of football for Tennessee, so – I'm not as worried. However, you are flipping from the left side to the right side. How difficult is that switch? It can be difficult if you don't embrace it. Yeah. I was having a conversation with the guy uh, recently who's who's a player on the balls, and I was just explaining to him when I had to learn to move into guard. 
when I had to learn to to play that position of going from right side to left side, I embraced it. Did I like it? No, because I thought <laughs> I was a tackle. I thought, you know, all those things like I came out of high school is this. Why should I do this? Well, guess what? You either do this or you don't play. So guess what I did before practice? I would get in my stance, get down to the left-handed stance, pick my hand up, walk five yards, do it again. I would do pre-practice sets of setting like a left guard or moving to the right side. It, it's one of those things where if you understand what your purpose is and playing your role as a team player, then you'll do the things necessary to adjust. I saw numerous guys, man, in my time at Tennessee where Coach Former or the position coach, Coach Brooks, would suggest you should play offensive line. Mm -hmm. You will be a better player. You're going to get on the field. And those dudes were resistant to that. Those dudes didn't get on the field on defense. Those dudes ended up washing out at the University of Tennessee because they wouldn't accept what's going to work for them and not just face reality. So you have to be a guy that's flexible. Like I said, it's hard if you don't embrace those things. The body will train itself however you need it to be in those moments if you personally accept those things. I thought I was going to be an NFL tackle. No, Ramon, you're a guard. <laughs> Go do those things. And 11 years later, um, I had a really good career because of it. And you were playing some tight end wearing the number 85 in high school, right? I was. <laughs> Heck, I, I got to the University of Tennessee, and I thought they were recruiting me to be a D-tackle, okay? I just won Mr. Football in the state of Tennessee, all state, all of the honors you can ask of. I get to UT <laughs> thinking I can play another position. I get number 78. And I'm like, <laughs> guess I'll go to the offensive line room with Coach Jimmy Ray Stevens, man. Yeah, it obviously all worked out because, again, you played yeah. 10-plus years in the NFL and you know went on to do some great things. Hey, last thing, I don't want to keep you all day, and I appreciate your time. Um, when O-Lotman, they're working. you got to win one-on-one -on -one battles. You're working, you're working, you're working. However, this Josh Heupel offense, yeah. I don't want to be – I'm trying not to be disrespectful and saying, does it help the offensive line a little bit? Can it mask some offensive line play a little bit? I mean, you got to win your battles – but does this system help an offensive lineman? It's not disrespectful at all. That This type of offense, it honestly plays to God's strength on yep. the offensive line. For this reason right here, as fast-paced as it is, there's one thing the defensive players have to do in every single play he can. It's one thing that a coach will rip them on if they don't do this one thing. You know what that is? What's Run that? to the ball. Yep. You know what running to the ball does to a defense? Where's you out? Yes, it does. Yeah. You know what the big boys up front do in this offense? It rests them. That five-yard pass can go for 15. We jog to the line of scrimmage. They got to sprint to the ball. We pace ourselves a whole lot more. This isn't a disadvantage for those guys. I know they're going to be in great physical condition, yeah. right? That's going to be prime. We know that to be true as far as this team goes. You can pace yourselves a whole lot more. And if the offense doesn't change personnel, which it doesn't a lot of the time as far as hyper-offenses, those defensive players have to stay on the field. And you know what I'm doing? I'm salivating at the fact that they're <laughs> bending over, hands on hips, head to the sky, just begging for a break or for somebody to get, air quotation marks, injured. That's why they went down. The offensive line is just like just rooting for this type of uh, offense. And now again, the back to that is what? The drawback to that is what? Well, what if you get a three and out? That's fine. But – it's shown itself to work more times than not when it comes down to the pace of this offense. We can pace ourselves a whole lot better than the defense can because one missed tackle or one player not hustling to the ball can mean a 60-yard touchdown. 
Ramon, Kayla, and Will, 104.5 The Zone. What do you guys got coming up the rest of the week and really up until football season? Man, we're discussing a lot of UT stuff right now. The Titans are in a heavy uh, competition right now with their backup quarterback situation, figuring out the OL. Uh, I tell everybody, it's one of the things I always say, we have winter, spring, fall, and summer. And then football should be incorporated in that too. Like it's one of those seasonal parts of the yes. year where everybody get ramped up. So that's where I am right now. It's officially football season now. Hey, you're on you're on Titans Radio this year, right? Yeah, I am. I'm uh, I'm doing sideline coverage with uh, VFL himself, man, uh, Mike Keith, the VOT, voice of the Tennessee Titans. They asked me to come on this year. It's uh, something new that I've never done before. Working the sideline as a former player, uh, it's exciting. It's a lot of chaos too that's going oh, yeah. on. Again, I, I, I don't want to give away any, any secrets or anything, and I want to act like I'm a professional, but I do hope we get more, and I'm sure they are, I do hope we get more booger, like Monday Night Football analysis from the sideline instead of just reporter. I, I want to hear what you see from that level, and I hope we get to see. I, I hope we get to hear that. We, we explored a little bit of that uh, this past week in the Minnesota game. Uh, they came to me on some stuff that I saw on the sideline. Cool. Uh, it was very fascinating, man. I must say, I enjoy it. I find myself speaking into the mic a lot giving play-by-play and realize, Ramon, you're not hot right now. <laughs> Just be cool and let Mike Keith and Coach Mack do their thing. Ramon, appreciate it as always, man. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Uh, anytime, Kane. Really, really appreciate my buddy Ramon Foster uh, for joining the show. Always brings the fire. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. We'll check in with Josh Ward. And Danny White fired off a tweet Monday night. Hadn't had a chance to talk to you guys about it. I'm going to ask Josh Ward about it. Uh, fair or foul from Danny White on Twitter. That's coming up next, or on X, whatever. That's coming up next for Ward Wednesday right here on Lockdown Vols. Hey, guys, I want to tell you about our friends over at Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs make you look good. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you truly a sculpted look. Bird Dog shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but they fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts because those regular shorts, they're made of stiff, restricting cotton, but Bird Dogs fix that issue by inventing a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but what it does is it stretches so you get a slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. It was the It's the hottest week of the year this week. And the Bird Dogs, guys, they've got you covered. I've got a couple pair of slacks, a couple pair of shorts, Bird Dogs, the go-anywhere, you know, do-anything fabric I use as Bird Dogs. Whether I'm going to church, whether I'm going out to lunch, for, whether I'm going to a meeting, whether I'm going out on a date with my wife, whatever the case may be. i got to put in there my wife, right? I'm married. <laughs> with my wife, uh, whatever the case may be, I look good and I feel good because of the versatility of our friends over at Bird Dogs and what they provide. I encourage you to go to birddogs.com slash college enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat with your order. If you're on YouTube right now, check it out. A white tech hat with your order. That is birddogs.com slash college or enter the promo code LockedOnCollege for a free white tech hat. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off? We promise you that. It's Wednesday, so let's check in with our buddy Josh Ward of The Sports Animal. He's a co-host of Josh and Swain on 99.1 The Sports Animal, noon to three weekdays. He's Josh underscore Ward on Twitter. Josh, we are another week closer to football season. We are. It is a college football game week for a few teams out there with week zero here, and we are approaching single-digit days until Tennessee plays. So the feeling is real now for fans. All right, so last night, well, I guess it was a couple of nights ago, it was uh, Monday night, 
you had Tennessee Director of Athletics, Danny White. Going off the top rope on Twitter, it was a, an article from Zach Reagan of A to Z Sports, and he's quoting or he's essentially writing what Tony Elliott said, Tony Elliott, the head coach of Virginia. And essentially it was talking about how close Tony Elliott was to becoming the head coach of the University of Tennessee. Danny White quote tweets it and says, Interesting. Don't remember offering. Ignore this the first time. Can't do it again. An interview doesn't constitute as an offer. Interviewed several candidates, offered one. Number one, your reaction to this. Number two, why the need to go on Twitter for this? But ultimately, this uh, game number one, Tennessee-Virginia, has got a little bit more spice to it now. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Um, why? I don't know. Maybe to play up to the fans because the fan reaction to Danny's tweet was exactly what I expected. Fans all fired up from the message. To be clear, and I think a lot of people know this, rarely does more than one real offer go out in terms of a contract and something written up. Uh, so I'm sure Tennessee only offered one coach officially, and that was Josh Heupel. But we know that Tennessee reached out to and pursued other coaches. Danny White at his press conference when he introduced Josh Heupel made a comment about he didn't want to go get Josh Heupel, wanted to let him stay at UCF, but it came back to him. And that can be for a number of reasons, but one would probably be that Tennessee at the time reached out to other coaches and gauged interest. And you know, there, there are many comparisons you can come up with, but uh, if you gauge interest and you get a quick, no, technically you never offered, but you would have, if you had been given the chance. So uh, it doesn't matter. Tennessee is in a better place with Josh Heupel as the head coach. Virginia's awful. They are so bad, uh, and it's not going to be a competitive game unless something really goes wrong for Tennessee in this one. The other thing that was funny to me about it, Eric, is that in those comments that Danny was kind of responding to, Tony Elliott was very complimentary of Tennessee. The program, yeah. what it is, Josh Heupel, and he he was referring to Tennessee as a test to see, to gauge where his program is. He wasn't talking about, it wasn't like he was talking about beating Tennessee. He wanted to see how close they could play to Tennessee to get a gauge of where they are compared to one of the best teams in the country. So the funny thing is, is that Tony Elliott was being very complimentary of the Vols. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird situation. And um, I don't know. Um, I, I kind of like it because it gives you and I some content for this week. But sure, at, yeah. at the end of the day, it was very much unneeded. And I'm with you 100%. You know, I believe that Josh Heupel was the only one that was truly offered the job. Yeah, I, I would be stunned to find that there is any kind of uh, contract, piece of paper, memorandum of understanding that was out there for Tony Elliott or any other coach. Now, if we go back to the 2018 coaching search, a little bit different. Uh, that one was different uh, There was, because there was a signed memora memorandum of understanding for another coach who ended up not at Tennessee, but that was for different reasons. It all worked out for Tennessee yeah. and, and to get Josh Heupel. And um, yeah, so th the idea that Tennessee didn't have interest in other coaches would be wrong, but Tennessee found the right coach and that's what mattered. And it, it was good for Josh Heupel. It was good for Tennessee at the time. The 34th ranked player in the class of 2024, according to the on three industry rankings, Jordan Ross, highly rated four-star prospect, one of the best out of the state of Alabama commits to Tennessee on Monday nights. Uh, big win for Josh Heupel. I mean, there's a lot of things out there like saying, well, hey, Florida cooled, Bama cooled, Auburn cooled, you know, all this type of stuff. But at the end of the day, unbelievable talent, highly rated prospect, and he's coming to Knoxville. 
Yeah, Tennessee needs to get more defensive line help. So getting Jordan Ross, a highly touted player who did have a number of really good options out there, is big news for the Vols. He will be one of the higher-ranked players on the list of guys that Tennessee will have to continue to recruit. Tennessee knows that, taking his commitment. But this helps elevate the class even more. Tennessee has a good class. It became better with Ross's commitment. And I think there are a couple of other big pieces that Tennessee would love to add. Tennessee would love to continue to improve on the defensive side up front, defensive line, linebacker. But getting Ross was a big deal, and the Vols put in a lot of effort to get him for a reason. I repeat myself with this one a lot, but you can tell who coaches prioritize and who are high up on a board for a coaching staff, and Jordan Ross has been high on Tennessee's board for a long time. You know, it seems like Josh Heupel, I think overall, since being the head coach of Tennessee, he's done a good job recruiting. Sure, you're going to you're gonna have your misses. It's fine. You would like the offensive tackle recruiting to be a little bit better. I, I recognize that. But where he has, what he has prioritized is quarterback and getting after the quarterback. You've seen it at every class. And the, the, the pickup on Monday night just solidifies that. That is where he is prioritizing building his roster. Yeah, you need to make plays on offense, and that's going to start at quarterback, and you need to disrupt that guy on the other end like teams are trying to do against Tennessee. That's the best way to succeed. And we'll still see how these players pan out, but there are a number of young players that Tennessee is excited about, guys that will have a chance this year, uh, and I'm referring to players that Josh Heupel assigned. So James Pearson, Joshua Josephs, here's their chance. And then this freshman class has some young edge players, and uh, it's a shame the injury to Tyree Weathersby, but there was a lot of excitement about him, another defensive line player that would go into the evaluation part of this conversation where the staff evaluated him earlier probably than some other schools and some recruiting services. Um, Charles Power from On3 came on, Josh and Swain, right after he signed, I, I guess, and said, yeah, Weathersby is a guy that we were just kind of behind on mm -hmm. in terms of how good he is. He's going to be better than we've ranked him. And I think that was showing up. So he has to come back from the injury. But that would be a big positive for this staff and how they've evaluated guys up front. They're going to need more of them. You have to give, get them every year. It's like the, uh, the offensive line conversation. You also have to protect the quarterback. So you bring up tackles. In 2012, Derek Dooley should never be forgiven for not signing an <laughs> offensive lineman because it's just stupid. And uh, every year you have to go get these guys. And Josh Heupel knows that. Surprises, good or bad, a fall camp for you surprises on the good side um i would say the defense up front how many guys that they feel good about uh so omar norman lot is not a surprise but he is a positive uh i think if elijah simmons is healthy and um the coaching staff has trust in him he's a guy that can help them on the interior to go with amari thomas and bryce Neeson coming back and uh, I think James Pierce has a chance to be a positive surprise. All of this is talk, right? This is what we're told from behind the scenes. But I think the talk around James Pierce has been positive as a guy that, hey, he could make that jump and be a contributor for them because they have to have it because Byron Young is gone. And then uh, surprise might be a stretch, but the confidence in somebody like Arion Carter behind guys that they were expecting to lead the way uh, in Aaron Beasley and Keenan Peely. Uh, I think is now a conversation where it's a strength for Tennessee on the defensive side. Um, a concerning surprise. Um, I don't know because I'm not, I'm not surprised by offensive line concerns. 
uh, either on the interior. If I had known that Cooper Mays was going to be injured, then I would have predicted the concern. So yeah. uh, I think I think that's probably where I think the concerns are where I expected them. And those are really just questions that have to be answered, how they perform in the secondary. I think uh, somebody like Andre Turrentine could be a positive surprise. But again, that's more talk behind the scenes and projection. Somebody has to play. So it's a matter of how do they perform? What do they do out there? But in the secondary, I think they have a much better chance to have the guys they believe belong in that kind of position, talking about, okay, these are our corners. These are the guys we trust at safety, and they belong in that spot more so than we've seen the last two years. Last one out the door. Who do you think has the third strongest arm on the football team? Because punter Jackson Ross (laughs) believes it's him. Well, is Gaston Moore not supposed to be really ticked off here in this conversation? I was going to say, there were other quarterbacks in that room right there. Right, yeah. So it's not like they have two quarterbacks on the roster. So are only scholarship players eligible in this conversation? Guys signed as scholarly players. So <laughs> uh, yeah, when jo- like, and it shouldn't even. I don't even know if Gaston Moore should be more offended by the punter who's just you know playing his skill set up, or the head coach who, who's you know he's the one that's running the offense, right, Josh Heupel. So uh, yeah, Gaston Moore is the one that uh, took the stray in this conversation. But I did enjoy it. I did enjoy the response from Josh Heupel who continues, I think, to show more just comfort in these settings. We've seen him on a big stage speaking to new students coming into the University of Tennessee. And I think in uh, press conference settings, we've seen him have a little more fun than we would have seen his first year or when he was taking over as the head coach at UCF and taking on that role for the first time. But during that exchange, like I, I took it as if like he, he was kind of he, he was kind of pissed off about it and uh, and probably <laughs> – Probably because he, in the back of his mind, he's like, and there's three other quarterbacks on this roster. What are you doing? Like, you know, but again, yeah. I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. So, um, do we, uh, we were talking about on Josh and Swain, do we see a fake punt now, or did, was there a chance we would see it now? Jackson Ross <laughs> has ruined an opportunity for a fake punt throw. We'll see. Hey, he's already been pro before coming to Tennessee and Australian football. So, do we I'm know this? He, he can, he can use both legs. Can he throw with both arms? I don't know. That'd be quite quite the dual threat. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Josh, what's coming up on the uh, the show the rest of the week? All kinds of football. We're uh, we're talking about what's going on on the field. Final thoughts of where this roster is, what the record prediction should be, because they're you know, they're all out now at this point. I think just about everybody's put out record predictions or will here in the next few days. Is game week is upon Tennessee? So uh, football, football, fo- football with a little recruiting. Uh, and uh, Saturday, I'll be doing the show 9 to noon at Hoops for Hope. You've been there before. So just a, a plug for, their, for that event because it's a great one for the Down Syndrome Awareness Group of East Tennessee. And both Tennessee's men's and women's basketball teams will be out there Saturday. Event, I believe, starts at 11 at Farragut High School. We'll be doing a little broadcast from 9 to noon. So it'll be a lot of fun. Just It's all fun. And uh, kudos to Tennessee basketball for continuing to take part. Yep, Hoops for Hope, been a part of it for a couple of years. Always a great time. You do a great job with it. And uh, the Josh and Swain newsletter every Friday morning, and that's uh, you, you can it's sign free. up for that newsletter, the free newsletter in the show description uh, below this video. Appreciate you, Josh. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks, Eric. Great stuff is always there from Josh Ward. Ward Wednesday, every single Wednesday right here on Locked On Vols. It's been a fun show so far. Can't thank you guys enough for tuning in and watching us on the Locked On Vols YouTube channel, subscribing there, and of course, listening wherever you get your podcast. Had Ramon Foster on, the VFL, former Pittsburgh Steelers great in segment number one. Talked a little bit about the offensive line and, of course, him being uh, 
a former offensive lineman himself. I thought it'd only be fitting for us to do offensive line for the position preview here uh, today. I, I think I said that we're going to do tight ends or something, but I'll get to the tight ends and the wide receivers uh, later on in the week. Uh, of course, we've already done the quarterbacks and the running backs, but let's do the offensive line here today. And that's one of those positions that still got some of the biggest questions. Um, you know, before we get into this conversation, I, I don't think Tennessee's offensive line is going to be bad. Um, I don't think Tennessee's offense is going to regress tremendously because there's questions on the offensive line. Now, do I think that this offensive line will be better than last year's? No, I do not. Uh, Darnell Wright was good, top 10 pick. Uh, Jerome Carvin was great. Cooper Mays is good when healthy. Um, all that type of stuff. So, But can this offensive line be good enough to get Tennessee where it needs to go? Absolutely, in my opinion. you got to go out there and, and play the games, of course. But there were some question marks coming into fall camp about the offensive line. And now that camp is kind of wrapped up and they're shifting more to game focus, there are still big-time questions on the offensive line. And, and we've talked about it on the show before. You know, throwing a wrench in the whole middle of this, literally at the center position, Cooper Mays being sidelined with a minor procedure the last couple of weeks. Where is he? as Virginia gets nearer. Will he miss Virginia? Will he be back for Austin P? Will he miss Austin P? And, you know, the sole focus is getting ready to go down to Florida for the Gators. I don't have the answer to that right now. I think that, he, you know, Josh Hopple thinks that he's getting close and, you know, all these injured guys. And he once upon a time said about Cooper Mays that, you know, hope to get him back, you know, around kickoff. So there was some optimism there, but there's no guarantee. So you very well could open the season, at least the first little bit, with, you know, a new center right now. And so what's the plan? I think Cooper Mays will be back before, you know, sooner rather than later. But again, if you have to open the season without Cooper Mays at center, what's the plan? Ollie Lane is now with the first team offensive line at the center position. Ollie Lane center is not home for him, but he's been a guy that's practiced center throughout his career. Um, he's one of, he's in that group that goes out on the field with the quarterbacks and centers pregame. And so it's not unfamiliar territory to him. It's just not home. But the most important thing is you need to have someone that can set the tempo of the offense. The tempo starts with the center position. Why? Well, because when the play's over and the running back or the wide receiver gets up, flips the ball to the official, the official gets it over to the umpire. The umpire sets the football and the center gets on it first and that allows everybody else to get set and then they can snap the football it's so very critical and so very important for you to have a center that can keep the tempo of the offense and, and you know, Jerome Carvin was fine in that regard but you even saw it a little bit he was a little slower paced back in 2021 uh, whenever he had to slide down and cover for Cooper Mays when he was out with a with a high ankle sprain at the time so you know Ollie Lane is practicing with the ones right now at center and uh, he will be the guy that will go if Cooper Mays can't go uh, behind him, of course, Addison Nichols has had every opportunity to be that backup center. Just not quite there yet. Uh, Vice and Lang is a true freshman, so of course he's not there yet. You know, Parker Ball is a veteran. You know, backup center as well has been getting some looks. So the backup center position is very unresolved, but it's going to be Ollie Lane if Cooper Mays misses times. Now, what's that do for the left guard spot? Two question marks on the offensive line coming into fall camp: left guard, right tackle. Again, the understanding is Miami transfer tackle offensive tackle John Campbell it's going to be your starting left tackle that's going to be the case uh Cooper May is going to be your center Javante Spragan is going to be a three-year starter at right guard so the two question marks left guard and right tackle we'll get to tackle in a moment Ollie Lane probably the leader in the clubhouse to be that left guard um you know spot opener right you know starter if you will the first guy out there doesn't mean he's going to start every single game doesn't mean he's going to play every snap, but he was probably the leader in the clubhouse to be the starting left guard. 
but now he's having to slide down to play center right now. So when Cooper Mays comes back, he'll go back to guard and we'll have to kind of reset this conversation. But right now, you know, Texas transfer Andre Carrick is in there getting some looks. Veteran backup offensive lineman Jackson Lampley is getting some looks. Addison Nichols, who is a guard and not really a center, he's been getting some looks with the first team as well. So it's kind of just like a, you know, a who's who right now. That's very, very unsettled. If the season started today without Cooper Mays, Ollie Lane's at center, I believe Andre Carrick would probably get the start. But there's going to be a bit of a rotation there, and we spoke on that a little bit with Ramon Foster in segment number one, and I'm not a huge fan of that. Um, but again, these coaches will forget more football than I'll ever know. And they've done this before in the past at UCF, uh, Glenn Ellerby and Josh Heupel. You saw it last year with left tackle with Gerald Mincy and J.J. Crawford. It, it can be done. You would just try to avoid that you know, if you can. So maybe Tennessee takes the first couple of games of the season, the first two or three games, you know, or the first two games to, to try to feel itself out, figure out who works best where. But you better get it figured out because when you go on the road, the first true road game of the season down in Florida, it's going to be loud. Remember Georgia last year? It was loud. It's going to be loud at Florida. And you need some continuity and you need some guys to be settled in their positions by the time you get into Florida. So we will see what that looks like at left guard. Um you know, it, it's it's very much in the air. I think Andre Carrick has not come in and just taken over like the coaching staff would have hoped coming over from transfer for, from the transfer portal uh, from Texas. But again, he's uh, he's probably the lead in the clubhouse right now with Ollie Lane at center. So I think you'll see some Andre Carrick. I think you'll see some Addison Nichols. You might see some Jackson Lampley. And if Cooper Mays is back, you will definitely see some Ollie Lane playing the guard position. We'll just have to see kind of who takes it and runs right. Look over right tackle, and that's going to be J.J. Crawford or Gerald Mincy. And I think, or, or, and, uh, yeah, Gerald Mincy. And I think both those guys are going to play a little bit. Uh, just like last year, those two guys kind of split time at left tackle. Neither one of those guys took off and run with it. So they literally, I remember doing the looking at the PFF snap counts for the season at the end of the year last year. And Gerald Mincy, I think, played maybe, maybe like eight or nine more snaps in the regular season than J.J. Crawford. I mean, it was pretty much 50-50, right? And so... I have more faith in the offensive tackles than I do the guards. You're having to flip from one side to the next, and it's no easy task. I understand that, but you know Dane Davis in this conversation as well has played a whole lot of football. Uh, J.J. Crawford, Gerald Mincy, they played a whole lot of football in this system. So neither one of those guys have really taken that right tackle job and run with it, but I have more confidence. I feel better about the right tackle question mark than I do at left guard. Either way, I think this Tennessee team's going to be okay on the offensive line. I truly do, but... Um, that's kind of where you are on the offensive line right now. And we'll have to see over the last, you know, 10 days of practice or, you know, 10 days leading up to kickoff, if anything can kind of change. Cooper May is going to be a big situation in there at center. And, um, you know, it, I still don't think you're going to be in a position where back in 2019 and 2020, you had to like six, six or seven man protect. You're not in that situation. Plus this offense, the tempo, um, the quick passing game, the vertical run games and, and zone blocking and the tempo and everything, it kind of masks a lot uh, of the offensive line, you know, play, if you will, doesn't mean that it can cover up horrible, horrible plays. If somebody gets beat, they can blow up a play, but it's not like smash mouth football. where you are going two on one scoop block up to the second level. A lot of the times that's just kind of not what this is. So anyway, that's kind of a look at the offensive line right now. I think it's going to be okay, but there's still some questions that need to be answered. And that's a look at the offensive line preview. Um, quickly kind of, kind of on the end of this rotation. Again, I kind of touched on this, I think Tennessee's going to rotate some guys at left guard and right tackle the first couple weeks of the season. I'm not a huge fan of that. I'm just not. I'll be I'll be 100% completely honest with you. I'm not a huge fan of that. 
Uh, but they've done it before, and if they need to do that the first couple of weeks to kind of figure it out before Florida, then I'm all for it. So, again, not a football coach, just my opinion, uh, but we'll see what happens. I think this offensive line, when it's all said and done, I think it's going to be just fine. I truly do. Guys, could, can't thank you enough for being a part of Lockdown Vaults. Uh, had a really, really fun show today with Ramon Foster, uh, the VFL, former Pittsburgh Steelers greats, Ward Wednesday, Josh Ward, and then, of course, looking at the offensive line, the position preview, I promise tomorrow we will look at the tight end position, and then on Friday we'll look at the wide receiver positions, and that will round out uh, the position previews on the offensive side of the football. Guys, thanks so much for liking, subscribing, getting this uh, video out there in front of more Tennessee fans. Locked on Vols on the YouTube channel. Thanks for listening and following, subscribing anywhere you get your podcast. If you're on Apple Podcasts, do me a favor if you wouldn't mind. Rate me five stars. Leave a positive review. It sounds tedious. I get it, but it helps the show grow. It gets this uh, podcast in front of more and more Tennessee fans, and that is the goal. Thank you guys, as always. Everydayers couldn't do it without you. We'll be back strong for tomorrow as well. This is Locked on Vols.